G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. The story. They were sent as a result of a large disturbance. They went by plane, but when they landed, they were met by a mob that had weapons and they just couldn't deal with them because it was too, too dangerous. So they ended up flying back. But in the process of coming back, unfortunately, for various reasons, the plane fell short of the runway and they were all killed in the plane crash. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, Bob Farley retired from the police force after four of his colleagues tragically died while on duty. This and other traumatic experiences in his life contributed to his mental state deteriorating further and further. He describes it as like sinking into an impenetrable blackness. But he also says it was God that eventually gave his life a reboot. And now he's gone from darkness into the light. We'll find out how that all came about as Bob shares his story today. He's chatting with Eric Scatterbo. Bob Farley, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Glad to have you with us. And where are you joining us from today? A uh, little town called Narragin, about two hours southeast of Perth in WA. Thank you so much for joining us, and we want to find out about your journey, and it sounds like quite a journey, going into darkness, but then God helping you go into the light. So let's find out where it all started for you. Where were you born and raised? I was born in a little uh, mining town, a gold mining town in the Murchison. It's basically on the edge of the desert. And what was your home life like growing up? Uh, Home life... uh, Growing up as a little boy in a little town like that was idyllic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, in those days, you'd just run around and you could play. You'd have no fears. So it started off well? Oh, it started off very well. I remember playing in creeks and collecting insects as kids do and tadpoles and what have you. But it was an idyllic start to life, yes. But then at five years old, that all changed? Yes, at five years old... Um, for whatever reason, then, to, even to this day, I don't know the full explanation, but I and I alone was taken away from my family mm. by a strange person, a strange lady who just came to town, and I just remember I was taken by her and put on a train, and I was transported to the city, and I didn't even know a city existed, uh, that which was Perth, of course. Mm. And I was dumped into a complete strange family, I had no idea who they were, and I that's where I was to stay for the rest of my youth, oh, wow. going through to um, my late teens. Now, did you ever make contact with your biological parents to find out what happened? Uh, I never really got an explanation from my parents. Mm-hmm. I never really got to know them very well, which is unfortunate, because mm-hmm. both of them have gone with their past. They passed fairly young. But no, I never really got an explanation as to what happened. Wow. I do, I do have um, some kind of explanation I got from a, a distant relative that um, apparently the father 
as a revenge act on the mother, took me away and me alone to basically to hurt her and get revenge back for her leaving him. And I was the subject of that act. Wow. So you must have been so confused at five years old, all this happening to you. I was absolutely traumatized. Um, I remember nightmares. I couldn't sleep. And that, that at that age, it was indescribable. I class it as my first insanity. It's, uh, it's something that no child should go through, but mm-hmm. um, it was a really difficult time. As I said, I was traumatized completely, nothing. And this family that you went to? Yeah, as I learned later, it turned out to be my mother's mother, my grandmother, actually. And uh, I didn't know that to start with, obviously. But I grew up with her, and uh, my nan, as I called her, became my mother. Mm -hmm. And I give her all due credit for bringing me up. And it was difficult for them because they had no idea what to do with the little boy that was totally and utterly traumatised. I was lost and they were lost because I didn't know what to do. I was even at one stage threatened by an auntie to send me to an asylum asylum if I didn't stop my behaviours. But what can I say? At that age, you can't control. And uh, Mm. yeah, I was threatened. But through all that, Nan put up with me and I with her and with them and eventually we became family. Mm -hmm. So let me just see if I have this right. So based on what you were told, your father took you away and then sent you to your mother's parent? Is that right? Yeah, basically dumped me with my grandmother, as I found out. But but, but not his mother? Not his mother? No, he took off. He, He dumped me with his family and left me and just left me there. Oh, wow. I didn't actually see him. He he arranged for my auntie, my mother's sister, to come up and grab me and take me back to the city hmm. and left me there too, just left me there. Now, why didn't they, your grandparents, give you back to your mother? I've got no idea. Uh, I can only assume it was a part of their plan or a part of the arrangement the father had with the grandmother. I honestly have no explanation. I was never told. I was never shown or spoken of love. It was just dumped and I was just left there. Wow. Wow. I mean, so traumatic for you in so many different ways. And then, understandably, it was affecting your behavior. Is that why you kind of describe it as going insane? Oh, yeah. Yeah. uh, that's, That's what I call my first insanity. I remember I developed compulsions. As I said, I couldn't sleep. I was crying all the time, as you'd understand from a child of that age, mm-hmm. wanting to, you know, where's mum, where's mum, yeah. and yeah. all that. But that that went on for a long, long time. Now, moving to your teenage years, you did have a positive influence in your life. You became a Christian? Yes, I did. That was the best thing that ever happened to me. I um, I ended up going to a youth group and uh, got involved in the church youth group, which developed into going to uh, study mm-hmm. with a, one of the elders there who basically taught us each Sunday or each week biblical truths. And uh, it was like going to a class at school, mm-hmm. and he was magnificent. 
and uh, apart from the youth group, which was Friday night get-together with the young people and doing what young people do as, as young Christians. I wasn't a Christian then, of course, but that involved camps and um, fun and games and going to crusades and what have you. It became an outlet, which I hadn't had before, being with such young, nice people. Mm-hmm. I know I've never experienced that before. And you eventually became a Christian? I did. I would remember I went to Perth, the city. Mm-hmm. In the middle of the city was a, I think it was a Billy Graham crusade, actually. I didn't actually go forward then, but um, not long after that, there was two invited speakers who came to our church, and they uh, had a basically a mini crusade. And the invitation was made, and I just felt the Holy Spirit say, it's time, mm-hmm. move. So I ended up going down by myself to the front and uh, and became a Christian, yes. Mm-hmm. I, I confessed there. They took me out to the back room and walked me through it. And, yeah, I became a Christian then mm-hmm. not long after that baptized. Yeah, I'm thinking... This must have had a profound impact on you. Here you were abandoned by your earthly father, and then suddenly you have a heavenly father, and then also new friends and role models. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was um, like chalk and cheese. Hmm. It was magnificent. I became a young Christian. I was with young people my own age, Hmm. good, lovely people, like a family. So you really started to grow in your faith to the point that you were even picked on at your work oh, yeah. for being a Christian? Is that right? Yes, I I had started an apprenticeship by that stage, mm-hmm. an apprenticeship right, which is basically a boat builder. We built large timber boats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as a young apprentice, I was a brand new Christian and became well aware at work that I was a, a Christian. And the place was owned and run by three brothers, and I copped a lot of flack Mm. for being a Christian, uh, the way I lived and behaved and didn't swear and all that sort of thing. Uh, One brother in particular used to give me a really bad time, Mm. and uh, I remember the older brother had a fall, and I actually caught, because I'm a big, very, very strong person, I actually caught him in my arms. Oh, wow to stop him from getting injured Mm -hmm. and uh, after that he basically told his brothers to leave me alone stop picking on me oh yeah and things improved from there on but yeah I I was picked on as a Christian Mm. at work You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with retired police officer Bob Farley about his life journey and about his descent into mental darkness after four of his colleagues tragically died while on duty. We'll hear more of Bob's story, including how God turns his life around when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. 
We're back with more of retired police officer Bob Farley sharing his life journey and about the impact that four of his colleagues dying had on his life. Now, here's more of Bob's conversation with Eric Scadabo. I went through the academy and became a fully-fledged policeman and unfortunately the influence of that kind of environment. I basically became one of the boys. I um, Not to start with, I think it mainly happened when I moved from the city. I started my country tours and that's where I really started to drift away. When I, My first um, posting was up in the Kimberley far north of the state, mm-hmm. tropical area. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I started smoking and, and a bit of drinking and swearing. and uh, A lot of it, I think, and I'm not trying to make excuses here, I feel awful about it, but you had to be tough in those days. And mm. You go to a tough town like that and you had to be tough to survive. And I think that had a bit to do with it too. Mm. You described these years as your wandering in the desert years because your faith kind of was put on the back burner? Yeah, I I consider the 30 years, just short of 30 years of the, my police career, I consider that as a bit like the Israelites, as my 30 years of wandering in the wilderness. Mm. Now take us to the darkest period on the police force with the death of your colleagues. Yeah, um... Well, the thing is, I I was the type of person who would go to the toughest of places to sort things out. So that would mean a lot of um, hard living, hard uh, fighting, mm-hmm. a lot of trauma. You'd be dealing with the worst of the worst. Like in those days, you'd be dealing with anything from drunks to murders. Mm-hmm. So you'd a combination, I think, of uh, a lot of years of... A, a bit like plaque that builds up. It's a lot of the uh, worst of the society and the things you had to see and do mm, yeah. kind of took us toll. And I didn't realise it at the stage, but my last posting, we went to a an isolated community in the desert to reconnect with the people there as a police presence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went there as a sergeant to establish a presence. I was in a vehicle and established the presence and came back to our police station, which was a long way away. And unfortunately, I was on days off, otherwise I would have gone with these guys. But they were sent to this place as a result of a large disturbance. Mm -hmm. They went by plane, but when they landed, they were met by a mob that had um, weapons and they just couldn't deal with them because it was too, too dangerous. So they ended up flying back. But in the process of coming back, unfortunately, for various reasons, the plane fell short of the runway and they were all killed in the mm. plane crash. Wow. I, uh, I actually heard about it on the radio because I was mm. in a bus at the time mm-hmm. and I immediately went to the police station and grabbed a vehicle and I went to the site and... This is amazing because I really didn't know where they were, but somehow I I went straight there. And I everyone was standing around while my four colleagues were in pieces mm-hmm. around this wreckage of a plane. And I just I just lost it. I said, uh, what are you guys doing? Nothing. So I ended up 
uh, I videoed it. I did the all the scene inquiry and video, and I took them to the mortuary and booked them in and identified them to save the family from having to do it mm. and videoed all that. And by the time I had done that and walked out of the mortuary, I was literally shaking like a leaf, uncontrollable. I couldn't stop myself. And uh, I must say, just before that, I'd lost my family too. Um, so I was there by myself and, uh, yeah, I started to... It started to sink in, and I, I just started to fall apart. Hmm. Well, I mean, these were your colleagues. Yeah. Well, three of them were my personal men because I was a senior sergeant by that stage and running the station. I'm yeah. And they were my personal men that I taught and befriended and hmm. their families. And, yeah, they, they were my personal people. Hmm. And by the time you picked them up in from the pieces they were and put them through the morgue then go and we ended up I buried them uh, we buried them I should say yeah and um, yeah and that after that I just I just went insane that's my second insanity I call it well tell us about your mental state at that point so you're, you're describing it as going insane but how did that look how did that manifest yeah itself? that that looked extremely dark very very dark I remember walking through dry creek beds as you would in the desert in those days and I, I'd i be shouting out to God, why am I here? Mm. Why won't you take me? Get rid of me. Like Job, as I said, uh, that I equate a lot to, I reckon he was probably one of the first to experience PTSD. Mm. Um, I didn't curse God. I didn't abuse God. I just pleaded him for him to take me away. Mm. I was in a very dark place. I, to the extent, I told everyone to leave me alone, even family, don't contact me. So you wanted to protect them from yourself? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't want to have to talk to anyone. But in the meantime, I did go out and help others who were traumatized by it as well. Mm. I would kind of go out, help them, then go back and lock myself away again. I was very dark mm. and I became very dangerous. I know I was very dangerous. I was dangerous to other people. If anyone could have t ticked me off the wrong way, I was afraid of what I would do, mm. of my reaction. And yeah. I knew I was, I was very harmful to others and possibly to myself. So mm. I basically jailed myself in my house. It, it, there was no other avenue other than to call my halt to my police career. Mm -hmm. So you're at home. You're isolating yourself. Finally, what happened to help you turn the corner? What happened was that I eventually moved from that town and moved back to a house that I had purchased from another town or from where I am now in Narragin. Mm -hmm. I bought a house here as an investment and I had nowhere else to go. I had, uh, well, literally nowhere else to go, so I came back to this house. So I moved in here. Um, I had a, a dog with me, my best mate, probably mm -hmm. the only friend I've ever had. Hmm. And it was just he and I who existed and barely existed for a long time. And it was just me sitting in the house and I was, I knew I was physically and mentally dying because I just, I was just sitting in a chair, hmm. immobile, I, I was just existing. Mm -hmm. And then all of, uh, for whatever reason, and again, 
this is I put this down to God, to the Holy Spirit. I was told, look, mate, you've got to move. You've got to do something. So I started little bits at a time. I started walking my dog for about 15, 20 minutes, and then I'd extend that, and then I'd extend it further. Mm-hmm. Just kept walking and walking and walking. Then I got help by mental health. Mm-hmm. After a, probably about two or three years, I worked up the ability to make contact with mental health which was rough to start with, mm-hmm. but I eventually found a lovely counsellor, a lady who walked me through for about, must have been about five years she walked me through. But again, I, I firmly believe that she was a God's blessing to me mm-hmm. to help me go through all this. And uh, she and all God and through her basically got me through to a point where I became an ambulance officer as a volunteer, mm-hmm. which I did for many years, and that brought a lot of health back to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then after doing that for so many years, I um, again, I think through the, not think, no, through the Holy Spirit, through my Lord, that uh, I ended up studying and became a nurse, and that's what I'm doing today. Mm-hmm. Um, I was remember I was sitting in the house here and I think that was even before I started with um, mental health I was have a radio right next to me here and I was going through the channels which are pretty limited down here but I happened to jag a Christian network Mm -hmm. a Christian radio Mm -hmm. and I just couldn't believe it and there was um, beautiful Christian music absolutely glorious teachings and it was purely God and God's word, and that's what it was all about. And uh, it was so invigorating. I classed it as my medication at the time. Hmm. Uh, listening to the radio, the, uh, the presenters, the, um, the songs, the tunes, the music, and the teachings, they were a very, very large part of my recovery. Hmm. Great. And did you start to go to church? Uh, not for a while. Um, I was still very uh, struggling with other people, but I, I yes, I'm back to church. I go to church now quite regularly, mm-hmm. and the people there are lovely. So, yes, back into church. I like how you describe it, that God rebooted your life, kind of like a computer or something. <laughs> well, looking back on it, I've got no doubt, as tragic as it was, that that incident was a kick in the pants or a reboot for me to get mm. back to my um, my faith mm-hmm. as it should be. I've got no doubt that God put me through that for my own benefit to basically to make me grow up, mm. uh, to mature as a Christian, to get back to my Christian, proper Christian faith and, and to grow. And I have grown a lot since then. And mm-hmm. I've got no doubt whatsoever that it was God's reboot for me to get me back on track, to mm-hmm. get me away from my wandering years and um, become the Christian that I am today. Now, I have to imagine that that traumatic experience of your colleagues dying had to bring up some of the trauma from your childhood as well. Yes. Um, again, looking back over time, uh, look, I've got no doubt that God's hands has been with me 
from day one. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that a lot of that uh, that trauma as a child. Basically, I think probably because oh, I was diagnosed with PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, I reckon I probably had it then as well. Mm. Yeah, I because it, 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 my mind would go back to those years or to those times and. And a lot of the trauma was pretty much, you know, a lot of it was similar, like the isolation, the the, um, the tears, the mm. uh, darkness, the yeah. isolation, shutting yourself away, and it, the missing, and yeah, all that sort of. It was uh, like uh, re-experiencing it again as an adult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but as a radio person myself, it's so encouraging to hear the role Christian radio played in your healing, the teaching, the daily devotionals, the music, all that kind of filling your soul with living water, so to speak. And that is a beautiful way of putting it. It did. It, it mm. reinvigorated my spirit, my soul. Like I read the word for the day every day. I read my Bible every day. I've mm. got such a closer walk with my Lord every day. And the Christian radio was... A huge, huge part of that. Um, just to be aware that there are others out there and so dedicated to their faith and to God and to his teachings and his love and his saving grace. It was an absolute life-saving. And again, I've got no doubt that my hand was being guided as I was flipping through the channels to um, find this channel and uh, to start listening. Well... Bob Farley, it's been great to hear your story and how far God has taken you out of the depths of despair that you were, but he's brought you back up, and now you're doing much better, and you're in a much better place now. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. You are more than welcome, and I do hope it helps others. That was Eric Scadabo chatting with retired police officer Bob Farley about how God turned his life around after his mental state had greatly deteriorated when four of his colleagues tragically died while on duty. As we heard, this and other traumatic experiences in his life contributed to him feeling like he was sinking into an impenetrable darkness. But as we know... God can penetrate any darkness. Bob has told us that one of the things that really helped him grow and come out of that darkness was hearing a steady diet of God's Word on Christian radio. Specifically, Bob says that Vision Christian Radio was his constant companion while God was slowly helping him to mentally heal. Well, if you've gone through trauma like Bob, hearing a steady diet of God's Word and Christian music can be very soothing and can help greatly in the renewing of your mind. That's why here at Vision, we strongly believe in the ministry of Christian radio. Also, it's good to have prayer support. If you'd like to pray with someone about anything you're going through, our prayer line is one 800 pray for me That's one 800 772 936. We would love to pray for you on that number. 1-800-772-936. Well, thanks so much for joining us for Bob Farley's story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. After our third child was born, the arthritis came back with a vengeance and it got really bad. And at one stage I was holding our five-month-old baby in the kitchen and just all strength was gone out of my arms and I dropped him on the floor and I ended up on the floor 
crying and basically saying, I don't want to live like this anymore. Rudy and Jeanette Rapp were born in Holland and immigrated to Australia in 1982. However, a miraculous healing in Jeanette's life has inspired them to travel to other parts of the world, sharing the good news of Jesus. We'll hear their story next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.